Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2, the safe space created for black women by black women to strip away the taboo of talking about mental health. You'll hear from mental health professionals and advocates as well as black women sharing their experiences as we break down the complexities, explore ways to heal and support each other. My name is Ashley, I'm your host. Whether you're a seasoned regular or this is your first time tuning in, thank you so much for your support. Now let's get into today's episode. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2, the podcast that focuses on mental health and destigmatizing mental health within the Black community. Uh, I'm your host, Ashley, and today we have a special guest. We've got Amber Johnson. So Amber, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, of course. Um, So a little bit about Amber. She has a master's degree in marriage and family therapy with a specialization in... sex therapy which is our focus for today's episode Um, she is educated and trained in uh, contemporary approaches to psychotherapy Um, she works within various experiences and is a certified prepare and enrich facilitator Um, she also has a passion for relationships and works with marriage and couples therapy sex therapy post-affair recovery and relationship conflict so we'll get into more of the other things that she provides um, other types of um, therapy that she works with in the episode Um, but yeah before we get started Amber tell us a little bit about yourself yeah so I live in Atlanta actually so um been here since I was eight years old. It's considered home. I love it here. Um, I currently work in private practice. Um, I am a Braves fan. Love, love them. Oh, live right by, by the stadium. Braves? Is that yes, um, an Atlanta NFL team? No, we are. That is baseball. Oh my gosh. Um, Sorry. <laughs> football team really struggles. The Falcons, okay. you know, really, really struggle. Um, okay. But we support we support all Atlanta teams. Um, okay. We never make it through, but support always. Awesome. Um, I only know basketball, so sorry. I know the Hawks. Okay. That's about yeah. it. Georgia. Yeah, we have them too. <laughs> you know, we, we made it real close last year to, or to the playoffs, but, you know, yeah. struggle. <laughs> so, yeah, you've been in Atlanta um, your whole life. So um, how are you doing with, like, the massive transition of all these people moving to Atlanta? Oh, we are we are full. Like fully full. So if you want to come here, like we'll try our best to welcome you. Traffic is a beast. Um, but I mean, it's great. There's a lot to do here. So I get why you want to come. Um, but it is, we are full. Yeah. There's a waiting list. So yes. don't, don't move. Don't pack your bags just yet. Yep. That's right. <laughs> so, um, before we get into the episode, they, what I want to do, what we're going to do is just ask, um, or go through an icebreaker, basically two minutes. We, I'm just going to throw some questions at you mm-hmm. and you just say the first thing that comes to mind. So don't feel too pressured about, um, yeah, don't take too much time to answer them, but just whatever okay. you got first. <laughs> my, um, there we go. My cell phone is all over the place right now. Um, okay. So two minutes, whatever comes to your mind first, quick fire. And, um, you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite city? New York. 
Okay. Um, what is the last song that you listened to? Oh, I can actually. Oh, girl, girls like me. Oh, girls like me, Miguel. No, Jasmine Sullivan. Oh, the new hotels. Oh, oh yeah, I like hotels. That's a good, good EP right there. Um, so what's your favorite movie? Oh gosh, Mean Girls. Oh, Mean Girls. Okay, throwback. Um, what? Uh, where's your happy place? The beach. Okay, mine too. Same. <laughs> What is a dream of yours that you've yet to achieve? Honestly, I'm doing it. Like okay. being, being a therapist, fully, Yay. fully it. Yay. Yeah. Um, if you could instantly become an expert in anything, what would it be? Finances. Okay. <laughs> the struggle um, is real. <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> um, if you could spend a day in someone else's shoes who would you choose and why Beyonce okay I just want to know like she does a great job with keeping to herself and her family she does a really good job with that privacy boundaries I appreciate for how famous she is I appreciate that I do too there's still that allure of like who is she yeah in real life Yeah. yeah um what's your hidden talent I can touch my my tongue to my nose. Oh wow! Can I see? Yeah. Yeah, that's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Not too many people can do that. <laughs> um, what's the first con- uh, concert that you attended? Dave Matthews Band. Oh, okay, my mom would love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I listened to a lot of Dave Matthews growing up. Yeah, but- it's great music. Great music. Yeah, it was forced upon me. It's it's great music. I don't listen to it anymore, but it's great music. Uh, yeah, you never know when the song's gonna end. It's just it lasts forever, forever. forever. Intro, the ending, you never know. Right. Um, what's your favorite thing to do when you're not working? Watch Netflix. Yeah, same. What are you watching? Uh, what am I watching? I think I'm about to start the third season of Sex Education. I just started it last night. It's amazing already. I mean, it? Yes. I need yes. it. Yeah, I'm ready. I've been waiting for a while. <laughs> that's such a, that's so funny that that's the show that you're waiting on too. Yes. <laughs> um, if you were given a chance to explore, would you go to like, if you could actually like go to outer space or visit 50 countries, which one would you choose? 50 countries. 50 countries. Yes. Okay. And last one, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Take your time. Mm, yeah. Just take your time. You, Simple. Yeah. <laughs> but, because you make small, small mistakes when you don't. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's simple, but it's very deep at the same time. Awesome. So now that we know a little bit about you, a little bit more about you, that's super cool. Um, it's so funny that you're watching Sex Education. I'm curious to see what you think about season three. So I might hit you up after, you know, in a couple of weeks and see how. See Sounds thoughts. good. I love that. I love, love catching up on stuff like that. So yes, yes. let me know your thoughts too. Definitely. I will. Um, episode one so far, so good though. 
Um, so Amber, you're a sex therapist and I feel like, I know that I was looking for a long time for a black woman that is also a sex therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I struggled to, to find some, um, but what inspired you to become a sex therapist in particular? Yeah. So I grew up in private Christian school my entire life and um, the education was not great. Um, The main goal was to, you know, basically preach abstinence. And as we know, sure. Okay. At that young of an age, fine. Okay. We'll go with that. But also the education piece is so important for a variety of reasons. Um, You've got the unfortunate child abuse Um, And if you don't know the correct terminology, you're not teaching your kids the correct terminology. Um, There have been horror stories um, with that, which has been really sad. Um, People getting into marriages and being so excited to, you know, for the honeymoon and to consummate the marriage and then having very little knowledge of what goes where, how how this works and um, kind of the, um, it's not, always like great, you know, the first time Um, and community, even having discussion about, you know, how, what, you know, anything, right? So this hurts, we need to shift position, so on and so forth. Um, And so you have couples who've come in, who've been like, we haven't consummated our marriage and we've been married for three years. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And so that's really what, what drew me into, to want to help and want to understand and just give better education out there. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really inspiring. And I'm sure there's definitely um, a huge need for sex therapy and just sex education in general. Um, So when it comes to sex therapy in particular, I know there's like, how would you describe somebody that calls you and is like, I see that you're a sex therapist, but what does that mean? Yeah. So misconceptions, which is, which are, you know, some funny ones that I get is no, I do not have sex with my clients. That is not how that works. Um, do people ask you that? People, yes, yeah, some people do. They're like, so uh-huh. how does this like, you know, work? Do I just come into your office? Like, no, 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 no. Um, you know, way back when, when Masters and Johnson, you know, the first kind of, you know, people of sex therapy, there were some ethical <laughs> guidelines that were definitely crossed back then. Um, so we've, you know, learned from those. Um, but it's more so communication, a lot of cognitive behavior therapy. So just talking about the, the problem at hand and then working through it, if it's anxiety, um, and kind of ask people what they're coming in for, um, if it is anxiety and kind of talking through kind of maybe some of those causes, um, if there's any sexual dysfunction, um, we'll talk about that. Like if there's erectile dysfunction or for men or um, pain for women, um, we'll kind of discuss, you know, what they're coming in for and go from there. Right. So a whole range of things from just like working with couples, but also just addressing people that where their mental health might have affected their sex life. Yeah. So like how, I know you talked a little bit about anxiety um, and possibly having anxiety like during your sexual encounter, but also mm-hmm. like how how does your anxiety like in your normal life, how does that potentially affect your sex life? Yeah. So it depends what 
the person is anxious about, right? So if we're specifically talking about sexual anxiety or performance anxiety, that is they are in the moment and essentially they freeze or they're like spectatoring. So what we call that is you're essentially having an outer body experience. So you're like watching yourself, but you, for men, a lot of times how it comes out is they are, um, they can't keep an erection. So they may be, and they're trying so hard to focus on getting that erection, which takes them away from being in the moment. Um, and for women, just the idea of, okay, there's so much going on in my brain right now. Like anything from, do I look okay? How, how is my body, you know, is this a new partner? Is this somebody that I've been with for a long time? Kind of the normal anxieties that you have, if you have social anxiety, those come up very specific um, in sexual anxiety as well. Okay. And then as far as like other aspects of mental health, um, what type of like mental health disorders can affect your libido? Mm -hmm. So of course we've talked about anxiety, um, but depression, um, for sure. If your, you know, serotonin levels are low, right. It's going to be hard to feel any type of desire or want to do anything if it's even difficult for you to maybe get out of bed or to see a friend or to talk to somebody. Um, a lot of medications also can be um, inhibitors, um, which is unfortunate, but if you talk with your doctor, not saying get off your medication, but if you talk with your doctor and kind of explain what side effects that you're having, because a lot of them don't talk about the sexual side effects, but we all know that all medications have side effects. Um, so kind of counteracting those. And when, if you do plan to have um, a sexual encounter, when is, when do you want to take your medication or when's going to, you know, least be likely to affect it? Right. And as far as, well, are there any medications that, you know, off the top of your head that possibly affect um, like your, your libido? Yeah. So antihistamines for women, especially. So that is, um, any allergy medication. So Zyrtec so dries you up. Yeah. Dries oh, you up. Great. So dryness. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, cause you know, the goal is to stop the runny nose, right? So it'll stop a lot of, yeah. So, um, diuretics, um, and then some things that are not medication. So alcohol, um, drugs, obviously cocaine, nicotine, um, amphetamines, opiates, of course. Um, so like, even if you are prescribed pain medication, that is still going to be an inhibitor. Um, and then antidepressants as okay. well. Okay. So it's a whole host of things that have, that can have an effect. Yes. But that doesn't mean to, like I said, to stop taking them. It's just what is going to best work with your body. So then you have um, some that help, um, kind of counteract that. So Wellbutrin is a good one for antidepressants. Um, it has the least, um, side effect, least amount of side effects. And that's Wellbutrin? Yes. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are, are there any other particular like mental health disorders? Because I know that we've had, um, somebody on the podcast, that has bipolar disorder and they mentioned that for them their sex drive is something that's um really takes a hit um because of their disorder is are there any other types of disorders where that happens 
So there's a few mood disorders. So bipolar being one of them, um, depending what type of, you know, but there's bipolar one and bipolar two. But when you do have the really, really high swings, that can possibly, that can really increase your sex drive because you feel like you're on top of the world and you can do anything. And so maybe your drive is a lot more higher and there may be risky behavior. That's not saying for everyone that just is a possibility. Um, and then you have, when you're on the downswing, um, the depressive mood swings really hit. And so you might just not be, have desire at all. Um, and just really kind of keeping to yourself and, you know, um, how, how that works. And then, um, typically, yeah, the, the mood disorders. And then like I, you know, we discussed depression, anxiety, um, OCD, um, it just looks different, like what you're obsessing about. So if it is cleanliness, right, then that could be um, something that could impact because our bodies, you know, there's lots of fluids happening yeah. uh, during, during <laughs> sex. And um, so that could be um, one that could also um, kind of impact sex as well. Okay. Um, so what are like, what are some of the most common reasons? I know we talked of course about, um, anxiety and like couples see, um, wanting to kind of put some fire back in their relationship or just get to the point of being able to be intimate with each other. Yeah. But what, it, what tends to be like the most common reasons why couples seek therapy? Yeah. So I have, I have a great caseload right now. Everything is, is a little bit different. So, um, I've got, I work with a lot of, um, let's see, older adults and adults. So I, my age range starts about 22, 23, all the way up to like 70 right now. So, um, I have couples who are coming in and wanting to have a much healthier, um, next maybe 25, 30 years of their marriage. Right. And so age plays a factor in wanting to know, okay, what is going to work for us? I know that they are aware that age impacts. So hormone hormones, um, just level hormone levels, all of that plays, um, a factor. You got menopause. Um, and so they just want to know what is going to work best for us. Um, which is, which is great because they're still wanting to connect with one another deeply in that way. Um, and then I have individuals who maybe are coming in because they want a healthier sex life in the sense of, okay, I just got out of a really bad breakup um, and I'm or out of a really bad relationship and I'm trying to find who I am again, um, physically, mentally, emotionally, sexually, all of that. Wow. That's, I guess I don't, you don't really think too much about what um, like your sex life potentially looks like at different stages of your life. So it's super interesting that the age range that you work with is so wide. Um, I, I've, okay. So there's a statistic that I looked up, like this is a long time ago, but it said the most active, sexually active, like generation is like 60 to 80 or something like that People in nursing homes. Is that, is that the study? Yes. People yeah. in nursing homes. Um, yeah. so maybe that's what 70 to 80, maybe. Yes. 80. And the concern of, I also read this a while ago and the concern of, um, STIs being really rampant in, in nursing homes as well. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's been a minute since I've looked up any statistics regarding that, but yes, because the concern of, 
not getting pregnant is no longer there. Yeah. So they're living their best lives, living their best lives. (laughs) Yes. And medication for men has been, you know, increased. So Cialis, um, all of the, um, erectile dysfunction medication that, you know, are Viagra, Viagra. Yes. (laughs) Another big one. Um, so yeah, that plays a role and there's no necessarily consequence. Right. Right. Um, and it's, it's, if we could just be a little bit safer about it, it'd be, you know, good, but good for, for, you know, them of still being able to feel pleasure and, you know, to live, yeah, live their best life. Yeah. I think that's awesome. I mean, why not? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter age. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, as long as everyone is consenting and consenting adults and, um, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, even in the older age, it's it's great. Yeah. So I, I guess there are some, when it comes to sex in general, there are some rumors, I guess, about how different aspects of sex can like relieve some mental disorder, not mental disorders, but anxiety, depression. So uh-huh. word on the street is, orgasms can help anxiety or can help like boost some serotonin while you're depressed or things like that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So yes and no, right? Because we talked about the anxiety portion, right? And if you are anxious about having sex and performing, then the chances of you being able to achieve an orgasm is very slightly because your, your mind is going, am I doing this correct? Am I, am I doing this right? Is this, do they like this? And you're all in your head, literally in your head. Um, depression on the other hand, if you can feel well enough to engage in sexual activity, the pleasure center is stimulated when, when you have an orgasm. So serotonin levels are up, you have the endorphins going high. It is the feel good like runner's high, essentially. It's the feel good, feel good um, in the pleasure center. So yes, it can release some symptoms of depression because you're getting what your bot, what your, what your brain is missing, which is the happy, um, happy chemicals as we like to call them. Right. But then eventually that's going to go back down to where it was before. Yes. Maybe not all the way down completely, but it'll be, you know, kind of lower again. It will last for a little bit right? You, when you go on a run, it la- that high lasts for a little bit, but eventually you will level back out, right? Yeah. Um, and so I wouldn't just use orgasms as your cure-all, um, but it, it can definitely um, help. Yes. Okay. So it's a good tool, but not the only tool. Yes. So, and okay. you don't have to be with another person yeah. to engage, to have an orgasm. Self-pleasure is great especially if you don't know what you like first go like figure it out with yourself. Yeah. How, how important, well, I guess with the people that like from your experience, Mm -hmm. is there a misconception about self-pleasure? Because I know growing up, I grew up Catholic, but like in, in my home, we weren't like really following everything the church said. There's a lot. <laughs> it's really hard to follow it all. <laughs> but I grew up going to Catholic private school the majority of my life. And so 
there was, I caught the same messaging of like abstinence. You're going to hell. If you have sex, if you have a baby, you're going to get kicked out of school and you're basically shunned from the community. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, I remember know, those days. All the, all that good stuff. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I know there was never any talk about self-pleasure, particularly with women. So, <laughs> you know, I didn't really get the talk at home. I yeah. kind of got the like, we're in Walgreens, like, do you need condoms? And I was like, <laughs> no, I'm good. Let's yeah. just stop having this conversation. So yeah. a lot of my sexual education, because I was in private school and I, I kind of like found things out on my own. But one thing that I never, that nobody ever really like talked about, even with my friends, was women, like self-pleasure as a woman. Everybody talked about guys going through these different stages, but yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the importance of that? Yeah. Masturbation is healthy. Self-pleasure is healthy. It is the number. It is your learning on yourself first, right? You, and we are repressing if we were to go back to, you know, elementary teenage years, you're repressing all of these hormones that are raging. Um, and back in the Bible times, you know, they were getting married at 14 and 15 and that was normal. Right now, obviously it's not normal, but the hormones are still very much there. And so when we're not talking about self-pleasure and, you know, saying that, you know, this is okay, this is healthy for both men and women, um, it can alleviate some of, some of the problems that society may believe that we're having right now as well. Yeah. I, I also feel like it's really important for women especially to like understand like you said before you don't really need anybody else and that is I feel like one of the biggest lies ever told to women when you're young is that you need a man or just another person in general to be able to 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 experience like the ultimate form of pleasure so yeah I think it's the work you're doing is really important because the word needs to be out. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, for, for women, it is, it's not just a, um, like you said, it's not just about having a man or somebody else, but even loving yourself fully, um, just who you are as a person and getting to know yourself um, is super important on all levels, like emotional, physical, mental, and you're forever growing and changing, Right. But when you enter into a relationship with another person, it's really hard if you kind of don't have some sort of concept of who you are. And so imagine that on a sexual level as well. Yeah. And everything that you, you don't really have an established sense of what you want because Mm -hmm. it's always in relation to what somebody else wants or doesn't want, or maybe scared of, or freaked out about, or grossed out about. Speaking of things that may kind of freak people out a little bit, let's talk about fetishes. Um, I know there's like a huge world of fetishes and I'm going back to like my freshman year of college, like sex education class, which was by far the best thing that they could have done for me coming in as a freshman. College knew how to do it. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Shout out to my advisors because them putting me in sex ed in month one, like summer school of my freshman year was 
the smartest thing ever because I learned so much in that like eight weeks span. But let's talk a little bit about fetish. Like what is a fetish and what are some fetishes that people have? Yeah. So there are a lot of fetishes and I'm still like, to be honest, getting to know, you know, different ones every so often. Um, but it's something that someone finds, um, that turns them on. It could specific to them, um, or groups of, of people. Um, but it doesn't affect, um, your daily life. I would say like, it doesn't impede on. So then it's not a considered a disorder or a, or a major concern. Um, and, and for somebody else as well. So as long as you're really not hurting yourself or others, aside from, I say not aside, but like BDSM, right? There is a full-on contract to consenting people that are talking about um, kind of what goes into that. Cause some of that does have to do with, with pain. Um, but that's um, could definitely talked about. Um, you've got foot fetishes. You've got, um, like we talked about BDSM. So someone being, there's a dominant and a submissive. You've got. Man. Going back to foot fetishes real quick. I know there are people making bank. Oh yes. On OnlyFans. Picks. Just oh, yes. their feet. Yep. <laughs> it's a whole industry. It is. Polished toes, not polished toes, specific colors. Like, oh, it is a yeah. thing. People are, yeah. OnlyFans is definitely, um, people are making a ton of money off of, off of that because it's you know yeah it's feet so if you have pretty feet I definitely don't so I could not <laughs> enter that industry at all I'll be rejected at the door but if you have pretty feet and you're looking for a side hustle yeah <laughs> apparently that's the way to go yeah head over to OnlyFans or what one of these other websites <laughs> where they're making a bunch of money selling pictures not promoting I'm feet. just saying I, I work on the street that is a thing yes um so then you talk you talked about bdsm so of course um bdsm in the media i don't i don't know if it gets a bad rap or just we just know one aspect of it because i know bdsm is like there's a power play between like pain and pain causing pleasure or pain being like um equal to pleasure for the, you know, people or people causing pain, people receiving pain consensually within that world. But stereotypically it's like 50 shades of gray or like the random American horror story episode where the girl's in like the head to toe latex, yes. <laughs> but she's yeah. like killing people. Not yeah. Consensual. <laughs> right. Yeah. Those two are, um, it's typically, yeah. What we get in the media about BDSM, but it is a, a lot more than that. Um, there is full on courses. There are full on like safety precautions, all of that. There are rules, there are regulations. And again, I think one of the major things that 50 shades probably got right was the contract part. Yeah. But that was partially right. Cause they didn't, she didn't even have a chance to really like go over it, you know, and <laughs> it was yeah, sped up real quick. <laughs> um, did you read the books or like watch the I movies? Did I did read the books. I did. It's been a while. Yeah, um, I would say the books were definitely better than the movies, but yeah, still didn't fully hit on the, the BDSM community, but yeah. she did her thing. You know, she, she put something out there for people to enjoy. Yeah. I think it was a good start. Yeah. 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 
Um, I'm trying to think of other fetishes. Like I've seen some random stuff on, um, what is it? Like Obsessed, the show Obsessed, I think on TLC mm. or Discovery Channel. And I've seen like some, some fetishes that are out there and I'm not kink shaming or anything, but I'm just talking about what I've seen. And I saw a guy that was in love with his car and he was likes to be intimate with his car. So I know okay. that it's like I, an, obs, um, not an obscene object. Um, Inanimate inanimate object that's the word (laughs) yeah yeah so you've got yes that's one um the furry community so like animals or just um they they dress up right um yeah and they have whole conventions like furry conventions i was actually i forget the name of it i was actually going to attend one i think it was last month but with COVID and I was just didn't fully feel comfortable, but I was going to, I just wanted to get more information, you know, you know, yeah. and, and kind of engage and just be in it, see what's yeah. going on. Um, it's like the best way to learn. Yeah. Can, for anybody that's listening and doesn't know what a furry is, what, what is a furry and what is that particular fetish or kink? Yeah. So I believe it's when you dress up as not even necessarily an, animal but just in a I, I like, like a, a soft like cost, a soft flesh. yeah soft mesh costume yeah um if you guys are familiar with comic was it no dragon it happens in atlanta every september the first weekend um there was a so the um event that i was going to attend was something similar to that but for um kind of like the furry community so it's it's interesting um you get to learn great things out there yeah, that's super interesting. If you ever want somebody to go with you, I'll go because yeah. I'm super interested. I'm not going to put on a costume, but I, it's it's very interesting what turns people on and how one person can be so different than, than the next. Mm-hmm. Um, can, let's talk about some unhealthy fetishes. Um, I And from my perspective, I always think of like porn being can can go into being an un- unhealthy fetish I don't know if it's a fetish if you watch a lot of porn but yeah what are some unhealthy fetishes yeah so specifically porn wouldn't there are fetish um categories in pornography but pornography in itself wouldn't be considered a fetish it's just and it's not even fully considered it's more so it could be considered an addiction depending on, you know, what's, what's happening. Um, And the bottom line is we got to know that it's not real. Um, And if people are using it for educational purposes, like solely for educational purposes and thinking that that is how sex is supposed to look like, that is what skews the brain and then being um, with another person. Um, because it's just unfortunate that it's not fully real. Um, But some unhealthy fetishes, um, well, we've unfortunately children. So if you're- Is that a fetish or is that like a, 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 because I feel like your brain is just not working correctly at that point. It's definitely, it's like, it's a disorder for sure. Um, And- yeah, that's what we, we like to think is that your brain's not fully functioning where it should be. And you have to think about, okay, also 
what has happened in their life that is causing them to act on this but that's like a whole different you know whole different topic yeah Um, yeah but so you have that anything that like I said causes harm to yourself or others so um people can call them peeping tom so if you're like watching somebody else um like voyeurism voyeurism videotaping any of that especially if the person doesn't know got it um yeah those are some that come up that are off the top of my head okay well let's kind of like take a shift into the like people that have dealt with sexual abuse and this is kind of a trigger warning for anybody that may want to skip this part but um for people that have dealt with um sexual abuse whether it be as a child or as an adult um do they like how can sex therapy help somebody that may have gone through these traumatic experiences and are now kind of ready to try to like find themselves and find what they like and be comfortable again like how does sex therapy help yeah so I would definitely if that is something that you are looking for I would definitely find a trauma-informed therapist first um and kind of work not kind of, definitely work through some of that trauma, um, processing it because there can be, you know, a lot to unpack and you want to make sure that you're giving yourself the space to do that. Um, and to start the healing process. And if you've already done that with a therapist and you, you feel like you're in a good space and you're ready to dive into like, um, being intimate again and wanted to focus more on sex therapy, Um, that would be something that would be helpful for the therapist to know for you to disclose just not everything, but maybe, um, as much as you feel comfortable and then diving into, okay, I'm ready to start being intimate again. What does that look like, um, for me? What are my limits right now? What do I feel comfortable doing? What do I not feel comfortable doing? Uh, is my mind kind of in this space? Can I relax? Right. Or do I, am I having triggers upon any, any touch? Right. Um, so it's, so definitely go see a trauma, trauma, what was it? Informed therapist Mm -hmm. first, Mm -hmm. um, and then make your way to a sex therapist. Yeah. Yeah. And there are some that are definitely do both. Um, like I am trauma informed. Um, it's, you know, there's just, it, it's a different lens of viewing, um, somebody than just driving straight into sex therapy. Right. Right. Yeah. That definitely makes sense. Um, I hope that if there is anybody listening that is interesting, interested in maybe working with you, we'll talk about her, um, contact information later, but I think that's a, that's something that particularly in the black community community, we don't talk about. Um, and it's very, taboo especially if it may be happening like within your family um with people that you know it's for generations can be Mm -hmm. suppressed and if you try to say something people may shut you up um and it may yeah it may have you feeling like you can't bring it up again but there is help out there and there there are avenues to heal and you know come to come to terms with what happened but also move move forward yeah yeah, it's definitely, you know, it is really taboo in our, in our community. And we just, um, it's, it's hard, you know, when you feel like you can't go to the person or the people who are supposed to care for you because 
you know, whatever the cause, right. Or whatever the reason. And, um, yeah, it does, it, it does happen to get suppressed and it comes up sometimes in the, in the wildest ways, um, split second, you can just be maybe washing the dishes and have a thought or a memory and instantly be triggered. So yeah, there is help out there. Um, I definitely encourage if anyone is listening and wants to, to do some of the, that work, um, I also have a handful or more than a handful of referrals. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. Um, so let's kind of, I want to talk a little bit about people that may be in, I don't, I guess, could you call them alternative lifestyles? Um, so people that may be in non-monogamous relationships, or maybe they're in like a polyamorous relationship, um, can you kind of explain those terms for people that may be listening and then talk a little bit about like how does sex therapy look different for somebody in those types of relationships? Yeah. So non-monogamous just means that you're in a relationship with not just one person. Um, So if it's maybe you're dating somebody and then there's other people that you guys are also talking to and that may just be what you, what you want to do. Polly is, you're in a relationship with somebody. Um, so it's two people and maybe you're married, maybe you're just, you're dating, whatever the case may be. And then you each have a different or another partner or maybe a couple different partners. Um, there are rules, there are guidelines. Uh, again, it is a very, is a community that is communication and trust is huge, right? And they, you know, set it all up. This is how this is going to work and go from there. We have a huge swingers community in Atlanta. So oh, really? Yes. I did not know that. <laughs> yes. Yes, we do. Um, so that is something that I'm, I'm pretty familiar with. Um, and it's always interesting when you have couples that come in, um, and say, okay, we really want to focus on, um, and this, this really doesn't have anything to do with sex therapy, but we really want to focus on getting our kids in bed on time and um, our schedule is just really out of whack and we really need help communicating that. And then we'll have nothing to do with the fact that they're in a polyamorous relationship. So like being in a poly relationship doesn't mean that that is the cause of, of the problem at all. Um, so that's like really important to, to note um, that that's just, that could just not be the problem. Um, but when it comes to sex therapy, um, some people are doing it to maybe spice up their sex life, just want to try something different. Um, it's not something that you're completely locked into. So again, it could end at any time, as long as you guys are having a conversation about it. Um, yeah. It sounds like people in those relationships might talk to each other more than people in monogamous relationships. Yes, you, you would have to. And that I think is what's so interesting. Um, and I think what also gets a bad rap is for people who are looking out this right from afar and they're like, well, how does that work? Because, you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, they're communicating what isn't working already. So they're agreeing, let's try something else. Um, but yes, communication is key on all levels of any relationship. It is the number one thing that you need. Yes. Yes. I agree with that. 100%. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, um, I know we're talking about sex therapy, but I know you have a host of other things that you offer in terms of therapy 
specifically about relationships. So can you talk a little bit about like what other aspects of therapy that you offer outside of specifically sex therapy? Yeah. So I do, like I said, my degrees in marriage and family therapy. So I see a lot of couples, anything from conflict management, post-refair recovery, um, maybe navigating to see if they are working towards staying together or maybe needing to separate. Um, couples who are premarital, um, okay, we're about to, we're going to get married. We're doing premarital. And also fun fact on premarital, if you do premarital counseling, you get, um, a percentage off on your marriage license. So what? anything that you want to do, that is couple premarital is something that would be really, is, is that just in the state of Georgia or is that like federal, like I want to say federal. I could be wrong, but I know that definitely in the state of Georgia. Wow. I know know everyone has their own divorce situation, like laws, but I know. So Georgia, definitely you do get a percentage off of your marriage license. Interesting. Do you know how that came about? Because I know like with church, a lot of times, you know, premarital counseling is really pushed within the church, but did, did it come from that or like, how did that come about? That's a really good question. I'm not sure. Um, but for the, you know, this, I would imagine for the law itself, depending on how, like what your state looks like in divorce, like if you have to have a separation period or whatever, for how many months or a year or whatever, um, it just also makes you think about it a little bit more. Yeah. The pressure is, um, on a little bit. Yeah. I know you mentioned, so you talked, you said you also do post-affair recovery mm-hmm. and like, what does that look like? Cause I've never heard of that. And, but now that you're talking about it, it makes sense that you would need some help recovering from an affair, especially if you're married or you have children together or you've been together a long time. Like, what does that look like? Yeah. So post-affair recovery if a couple is coming and one or even maybe both spouses have, have cheated, how do we work through that? Right. Do we want to work through that? Are we coming to, to therapy to talk about it? The why, um, not necessarily full on details because that can be traumatic, um, for both parties, more so the one who was cheated on. Um, but you really have to go through the moat. You have to go through the steps. It's a, a full on healing process. Um, and an objective third party helps you guys walk through that process. Um, and it's a really safe space. So there isn't a whole lot of, or the, at least if there is screaming and yelling, it's really monitored so that you can really process and understand and, uh, you know, the apology, but that it takes, you know, it can take a couple months, even up to mm-hmm. a year, depending how long um, and what happened during the affair. Wow. And do you just do it with couples or do you do it with individuals that might be seeking help after either finding out that there was an affair or potentially the one that had the affair? Yeah, I typically have had, um, right now, women um, who have found out, um, but that was even kind of after that, maybe not 
they may, that may have not been the reason they have broken up, but finding out after and just wanting to do some work around that. Um, because cheating can impact self-esteem like really, really pretty significantly. Um, you start questioning like, what is it about me or what is it about, you know, in this relationship, how I was showing up and that may not be, you know, the case. It might've just been, you know, that person made a mistake or, you know, and you kind of walk through that and go from there. Wow. Um, and so as far as that's really interesting, by the way, I'm like, my mind is like blown that there's therapy specifically for people that are dealing with affairs and how they affected their lives. So I think that's really good for people to know, because again, within the black community, particularly with women, I feel like some, you ever, have you seen the, the gif or it's not a gif. It's like the video of the old episode of, um, the Steve guy from Jerry Springer and the guy is like cheated on her like 30 times. She's like, I'm, I'm going to stick beside oh, him. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. That's yep. my man. I'm going to stick beside him. And um, I, I feel like sometimes, I mean, I'm not here to tell anybody what to do in that situation, yeah. but sometimes I feel like you do need that third party. You do need somebody who is a neutral person that can talk you through what's, what's happening and your reasons for sticking beside him or her or them or whoever it is. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is such a good, yeah. That video is you do, you, um, I, I, I get curious, like, what is it about this person or even about yourself? What are you coming to terms with that you feel like this is all for you, right? Like this is okay for this to keep happening. Um, And the person also not being remorseful is also a big, Mm. um, a big thing. If it's going to keep happening and there isn't like an apology and a changed behavior because apology without changed behavior is just manipulation. Um, Can you say that again? Hold on now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Apology without changed behavior is manipulation. Period. Wow. Period. Okay. (laughs) For anybody that's listening, if there's no work behind the words, it doesn't count. Not at all. Not in the slightest. So (laughs) you take what you will with that. Um, and, and know that you, you know, you deserve better. And even if you are the, uh, the person who is doing the cheating, right. What is it for you that you keep, you know, cheating? And there's a, there's a plethora of reasons there are, it's not just, oh, I was unhappy. There's, I'm afraid of commitment. This is my way out. Um, yeah, there's a whole, whole list of things. Wow. I can only imagine the things that you've heard in your office um definitely with, fun career. I'm sure I'm sure it's exciting there's always got to be something new and exciting <laughs> yeah yeah um so I know that you are based in Atlanta um are you doing virtual sessions I am I am doing virtual I have not been face-to-face since this you know second third whatever strand Ten, <laughs> Um, Delta, yeah, the sororities are coming. Um, so, yeah, I, I have not seen anyone face to face, but I am doing virtual, um, and it's working great. So 
Okay. And do you work with people that may be in the LGBTQ plus community? I do. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, perfect. And then do you work, I, we didn't really talk about this, but do you work with people that are asexual and trying to, I guess, yeah, I do you work with asexual? Any, yeah, I haven't had any, any um, cases with, um, that deal with asexuality, but I'm sure that will, you know, come in at some point, but yeah. Okay. And, um, for you, what's the most fulfilling part of being a therapist? I know this is your dream, so it's gotta be awesome. Like living it out in real life. Honestly, like the other day I was sitting in my office, I just wrapped up with a client and I had like this outer body experience. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm doing the thing. I'm, 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 I've wanted to do this since I was 14. Okay. So that is wild. Who knows what they want to do at 14, especially a therapist, you know, you think astronaut, president, you know, nurse, doctor. No, I want to talk to people for a living. Um, and so I think the most fulfilling part is watching people have that aha moment, um, and really sitting there and being like, I can do this. Or yesterday I did this and we went over the tools in session and I put them into practice and watching them just kind of realize, okay, I'm heading in the right direction. Yeah. And even in the difficult moments, like when people are are crying and just pouring, pouring their heart out and I get to walk alongside them in this journey. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. One for you to be able to stick it all the way through and having a dream and really just like fighting step by step. I know that was, could not have been easy for you to, you know, that's not an easy process becoming a therapist and going through all the schooling and everything. But um, I just applaud you because as, as a black woman myself, seeing somebody else, being able to talk to somebody else that is not only a therapist, but a sex therapist um, that's huge. I know there's not many of us in the mental health profession in general. So the fact that you are specifically working with people and helping them kind of find themselves, helping them heal their relationships, um, I think is awesome. And I just want to say, like, give you your flowers now. This Thank is amazing. You. Thank <laughs> I'm, you. I'm really happy that you joined, um, joined me today. And I hope that uh, people listening connect with you. Um, can you let people know how they can get in touch with you? Yeah. So my email address is amberjohnson.therapy at gmail.com. And that is the same as my Instagram handle. And that's amberjohnson.therapy. Perfect. And if you didn't catch that, it is in the description. Um, definitely hit her up, follow her on Instagram. Um, if you're interested in meeting with her, um, doing some sessions with her, don't be shy. Give her a call. This is her thing. So this is not the time to be shy and be, you know, scary. Give her a call, send an email. Um, But thank you so much, Amber. Before we wrap up, I almost forgot. I've got one last question for you. Um, What affirmation would you give your 14 year old self? What would I give my 14? That's a good question. I would say you are resilient. Yes. 
Yes. We tend to use the word strong a lot, but resilient means that something can happen and we can process and come back. back Keep going. Yes. I love that. Well, thank you again, Amber. This has been um, really fun. Um, Lots of new things I learned today and hopefully everybody listening has learned today. Um, But yeah, thank you so much, Amber. I really appreciate you coming. Yeah, thank you for having me, Ashley. It's been awesome. Yes, definitely. And maybe one of these days we can hit up a furry convention and like I can talk to people that are furries, black furries. If you're a black furry listening, hit me up because I want to talk to you. (laughs) I will send you the link to the thing that I was going to attend. Okay, perfect, perfect. Um, Thank you to everybody that is listening to yet another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2. I appreciate you more than you know. Um, I see people listening all over the place, all over the world, which is insane. Um, But I'm really glad that you guys are enjoying the episodes and keep coming back for more. So um, that's it for this episode. Thanks again. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2. No matter where you are in the world, I really appreciate your support. See you again on the next episode, but until then, follow us on Instagram at Black Girls Have Anxiety 2 and on Twitter at Anxious Black Girls. That's Anxious BLK Girls. And remember, just because you're struggling doesn't mean you have to struggle in silence. The more we talk about it, the more we heal.